welcome to the Conversations About Light podcast, a King's Cross podcast illuminating our desire to engage in light-hearted conversations that are grounded in scripture. Our hope is that through these conversations, our community will be encouraged and grow in their curiosity about light. All right, welcome to another episode of Conversations About Light. I'm joined here with Mark and Josh. Today we're going to be um, going over looking into Luke 20 verse 27 to 21 uh, verse 4. But before we do, how are we going today? Very well, thanks. Very well. Yeah? Um, I'm enjoying life. No complaints. Doing well. Equally, you, Mark? <laughs> yeah, going well, thank you. Equally really good. Well. Good to be here. How are you? I'm, I'm doing well. You really don't like that question. <laughs> How can you be doing well if you're not eating certain foods, Mark? Oh, <laughs> he he so went c- there. I didn't. <laughs> I'm very curious. Yeah, I've started the Jeremy diet, which is uh, no carbs, no sugar, no fun. Ouch. <laughs> well, uh, Let's let's jump into the scripture then before Excellent. we dive too deep into uh, scripture's actually got a lot to do with it with uh, that diet. Yeah, yeah. scripture's got a lot of death and <laughs> <laughs> death to self, yeah. sacrifice. All right. Well, let's look into um, today's text. Today's reading is from Luke chapter twenty, verse twenty-seven to twenty-one, verse four, in the English Standard Version. There came to him some Sadducees those who deny that there is a resurrection. And they asked him a question, saying, Teacher, Moses wrote for us that if a man's brother dies, having a wife but no children, the man must take the widow and raise up offspring for his brother. Now there were seven brothers. The first took a wife and died without children, and the second and the third took her, and likewise all seven left no children and died. Afterward the woman also died, In the resurrection, therefore, whose wife will the woman be? For the seven had her as a wife. And Jesus said to them, The sons of this age marry and are given in marriage, but those who are considered worthy to attain to that age and to the resurrection from the dead neither marry nor are given in marriage, for they cannot die any more because they are equal to angels and are sons of God, being sons of the resurrection." But that the dead are raised, even Moses showed in the passage about the bush, where he calls the Lord the God of Abraham and the God of Isaac and the God of Jacob. Now he is not God of the dead, but of the living, for all live to him. Then some of the scribes answered, Teacher, you have spoken well, for they no longer dared to ask him any question. But he said to them, How can they say that the Christ is David's son? For David himself says in the book of Psalms, The Lord said to my Lord, Sit at my right hand until I make your enemies your footstool. David thus calls him Lord, so how is he his son? And in the hearing of all the people he said to his disciples, Beware of the scribes who like to walk around in long robes and love greetings in the marketplaces and the best seats in the synagogues and the places of honour at feasts who devour widows' houses and for a pretense make long prayers. They will receive the greater condemnation. Jesus looked up and saw the rich putting their gifts into the offering box, and he saw a poor widow put in two small copper coins. And he said, Truly I tell you, this poor widow has put in more than all of them, 
for they all contributed out of their abundance, but she, out of her poverty, put in all she had to live on. What are you guys noticing within this text? Yeah, I think uh, obviously the first part of the story, Jesus is talking about resurrection, and so that's a uh, clearly a theme there. And Jesus, again, the master of understanding the scriptures and explaining them, you know, there's a disagreement going on, and Jesus sort of corrects um, their thinking. Um, in the later section, there's the section about gi- on giving and what does that mean. So I think there's two kind of things happening. I see majorly in this text. One is resurrection. What does that mean, and how does that work out in our lives? And two, just the giving, which is in in this case, it seems to be an act of worship. She's at the temple giving, and how do we? What does that mean for us? Yeah. How about you, Mark? Yeah, I think um, Jesus is amazing. I'll tell you why I think he's amazing. He is amazing. He's objectively amazing. But why I think he's amazing in this text is, I don't know if anyone who's listening to this podcast has been in a situation where they're seen as a teacher or an expert in something or in a position of leadership in any way. And a person maybe comes with a question that they've kind of, a concern that they've they've had and they've been building up and then they kind of come and go like, hey, how come... You know, or that, that's and that sucks. That's pretty tough sometimes when that happens. What's worse is when a few people talk about it behind your back, <laughs> and then they come almost as a party. And like, hey, how come? Here Jesus is, and there's a whole like tribe of people that have probably spent a lot of time thinking, like, how can we catch him? We've heard his message. We're going to trip him up. They're smart. They're aristocratic. They're wealthy. They're in with Rome. They have political power. These are not like, I don't know, just people visiting the church and they just want to cause chaos and move on. These are like (laughs) major players in society. And they come as a band, as a tribe. They've formulated their question. They've picked Leverite marriage as like, this is how we're going to trip him up. There's no ways he can resolve this one. Yeah, And he puts up with it. That's what amazes me about Jesus is he spends i don't know how long i mean our bibles it's almost exhausting reading it in our bibles that they go, they go mm. on forever thankfully luke like just skips yeah. after the third marriage he just skips to the seventh but <laughs> <laughs> i doubt they did i'm sure they just keep, kept laboring their point and jesus just listens and listens yeah. and listens even though he already knows what his answer is and it's going to be a slam dunk and I'm amazed. Sorry, I'm amazed by who Jesus is and how he puts up with questions. How he puts up with questioning. How much patience he has. Yeah, that's a good point. While you're talking, I just thought of the question of how are we like the Sadduce- Sadducees, and or is there like an encouragement that we come to Jesus, who is willing to listen with all of our questions, whether they're loaded or just genuine? Yeah. I think there's a warning here for myself or people like me that just because we maybe shout out a, a question to God in frustration and he seems to not, he seems to allow it. Mm. In other words, he doesn't strike us dead with our accusations or questioning. Doesn't mean that we're right. <laughs> <laughs> in other words, his patience shouldn't lead us to believe that we're correct on anything. Right. Um, and it would be better to figure that out in gentleness and humility. Than, and I, so I guess that's something you know yeah. that I would want to be aware of is don't take his patience for weakness or that he's not, he doesn't have an answer. I'm also wondering when you say, if, if I ask a loaded question, I'm trying to find which of my questions aren't loaded. You know? 
<laughs> I feel like the questions we ask always have a background and a, and a thing. And in this story, I'm noticing that there's two groups, right? The Sadducees who don't believe in the resurrection and the scribes who do. And Jesus answers them and they like, yeah, stick it to him, Jesus. We told you guys. Yeah. But then Jesus goes on to talk to them. So I guess everyone's got a loaded question, right? And I, right. I guess to your point is sometimes we jump on our favorite theologies our favorite ideas and we hear someone any little sentence we hear about that we cheer and applaud but not realizing that jesus has a follow-up question often which kind of undoes us and so i think it humbles us when we read a text like this to go well maybe i I don't know everything (laughs) maybe there are my questions are loaded um, so I think this is a great interaction where one group is, you know, rejoicing that Jesus has stumped these guys who don't believe in the resurrection, but actually Jesus says, "Well, you guys really don't understand the scriptures either." When he points out that he's the Messiah, they yeah. they got nothing to say. You know? It's interesting. There's a bit of a difference as well when he's um, to questioning God versus having questions for God, and I think Jesus is quite stern with those who question. They're questioning of him. They want to trip him up and and show him to be false. He won't let his truth um, be unguarded. He protects truth. He has to. But he's okay with his disciples not understanding things and having questions. And he's he, he calls them children and and things like that. It's very lovely that we can have questions, but we should guard against questioning. In in other words, doubting his truth because we don't understand is different to just not understanding and admitting it. Right. The, the text also talks quite a bit about generosity and the resurrection and worship. I'd love to hear your guys' thoughts on what you notice illuminating from the text on those themes. I think maybe on uh, resurrection and then moving on to generosity, but Jesus explains clearly, I think the Sadducees only believed in the Torah and they were like, if you can't prove it from the Torah... We're not interested, which is why they didn't believe in the resurrection. But Jesus goes, he's the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. He's the God of the living. And kind of brings home right to them that resurrection is a reality. Um, Jesus also says, I think, uh, that they will not die. He says those who are in the age now, but in the age to come, they will not die. And just that reality, uh, Jesus again seamlessly moving between the present and the future reality of, of the coming kingdom that resurrection is going to happen and we rise to eternal life. And so that kind of goes that this idea that everything has life in it. God is the God of life, the God of the mm. living. And what does that mean for us? I think in, in some way I'll find myself similar to the Sadducees where, oh, maybe God, there's no life in this. God can't, there's no way God could rescue this. But actually he is the God of life. Um, I think that's one challenging point of this that Jesus is speaking, speaking to that God is, you know, he is, he is real life. Yeah, with the resurrection, there's a couple of points in that verses 35 to 36, if someone's reading them. Jesus says, The sons of the sage marry not given in marriage, but those who are considered worthy, uh, that's the ESV version, the idea there is accounted worthy, or um, in other words, that's not earned. You're not, you're not, you don't mm. become worthy through any earning. It's those who are considered, those who are counted, those who are, are justified in a sense. And that's it. I mean, Jesus is giving grace right there. Those who are considered worthy, who will be considered worthy? Well, those whose faith is in Jesus Christ, who have received the grace yeah. of God. So earning is taken straight away out of it, out of resurrection. There's no earning in resurrection. 
And then he goes on, um, they cannot, as Josh just alluded to, they cannot die anymore. Yeah. It's not they will not. Uh, in the resurrection, we are so qualitatively changed that you cannot die. Yeah. Um, that's, that's a remarkable thing yeah. to consider or think about. I think a beautiful thing, I hope it doesn't derail too far, but um, in life, like if you go even through the story in the Torah where Genesis, there's evening and morning, it goes like that, and God did his work. And then the morning is fresh, right? There's new life. There's, new, there's a new day. Even in the in the the Passover and the Red Sea, it's all at, in the evening, and then in the morning they're free. Mm-hmm. When Jesus dies, it's like death and resurrection. It's he dies, you know, gets ceremonies at night, he gets crucified. There's resurrection in the morning, and just the idea that God's mercies are new every morning flows from the scriptures. That resurrection. And new mercies, it's just right there, right throughout the text, right through the gospel story, that God promises new mercies, new life. And I think I woke up this morning and, and in our house we were singing, I won't sing it, but his mercies are new every morning and all my girls are singing. It's just, and just that, that, that I, I do that quite often. I wake up in the morning and go, oh, I'm so relieved. There's a new, <laughs> there's resurrection, there's new morning. Mm-hmm. And I think that's profound for the believer that we live in that gospel story that there is new life, new resurrection, new mercies every morning. It's beautiful. Mm. Yeah, very good. Just going off the back of that, Josh, what's some questions that, because I'm sure like many people listening to this, including like myself, where you struggle with condemnation, how, how do you question your salvation in a healthy manner or how do you wrestle with it to enter into that space of mercy, of God's mercy, of his grace, mm. coming into that new life, his mercies on you every morning? I struggle myself constantly to find new mercies, right? So I, th- I think it's a hard question to answer, Caleb. How do you find new mercies? And sometimes, some mornings I certainly find I don't. I, I remain in the night, <laughs> in a sense. Um, I'm not sure. Mark, do you have any, any thoughts on what might help with with finding new mercies? Uh, two thoughts come to mind. One is Martin Lloyd-Jones' question mm. to someone that asks, that comes to his study and he's struggling with his uh, salvation and, and faith. Mm. And Martin Lloyd-Jones says to him, do you consider yourself a good Christian? And the person says, no, not really, but I am trying and I am trying to do better. better. And then Lloyd-Jones just basically teaches him that he's still trusting in his own good, goodness. And that to be a good Christian, you only need to have faith in Jesus Christ. And if you have faith in Jesus Christ, then you answer the question, am I a good Christian? Yes. So for those who are struggling under condemnation or shame or guilt, the question is, do you have faith in Jesus Christ? Then you are a good Christian. I'm a good Christian, but I'm struggling with sin. I'm a good Christian, but do you have faith in Jesus Christ? That's You've got to keep going back there again and again and again. And then um, Dane Ortland writes in his book, Deeper, chapter 4, there's a quote he says he says you'll only be able to grow in your relationship with christ to the degree that you can settle that god loves you wow so if you cannot settle that god loves you you're going to struggle to grow in your faith doesn't mean you don't have faith it just means you you're going to struggle with it because you won't settle that you are loved and so if, if we can settle that it's faith in christ alone that is needed and that we are loved by god if those things are settled in us then we can quite quickly face guilt, shame, and and derobe, remove them from ourselves as we choose to kind of go, no, but Jesus is enough. And no, but God does love me. Dane goes further to say, 
It's in those moments of sin and weakness that Christ um, leans in the most. He's so, like if you could see me, so delighted to lean in and to lift us up. So we wear shame and guilt and want to hide, and he's going, no, this is exactly when I want to lean in and pick you up. Does that help? Yeah, Yeah, very good. And I think it leads into the second part of uh, this portion of Scripture pretty well, just in in that, that sense of, He's sending a caution to the scribes, but then almost offering this love to to the the widow in response to to her her offering. What are you guys noticing within the second part of the scripture? I think we were talking before about she offers everything, and Mark was saying uh, she has nothing left. What a reversal of like not how much do you give, but I think Mark said the phrase how much do you have left, or you know what if what if Giving was thought of as how much do I keep? How much do I hang on to? What if worship was thought through that lens? Um, how much, not what have I given, but what do I still hold as mine and, and fortress around my heart and keep for mine and not surrender to Jesus? Because you could give a nice offering but still be holding on to everything, or almost everything, you know. Um, whereas she, in one sense, fortunately doesn't have much to give, but in another sense, Gave everything, and that's profound. I think um, that's a very profound um, view on worship. Rather, whatever I held on to, um, whatever I given you. Yeah, I think there's a these connect the stories connect through a relationship with God. So if if God is not living, then one there's no resurrection of the dead because mm. a living God has to raise has to do the raising, and two there's no um, value in giving all you have. So. Both of these these stories or uh, illustrate implicitly Jesus is pointing to the significance of a relationship with God. Yeah. That one, God is alive, and two, you can have relationship with Him. And because of that, when your body dies, you cannot die. You because you have a relationship with the living God, you cannot die. He says. Yeah. And then, because you have a relationship with the living God, what is there that you want to hold on to? What, yeah. what is what do you need to hold on to? And, and she's this great picture of, I, I give everything in because I can trust him. I have this relationship with with God. And if she doesn't, then her giving doesn't make a lot of sense. Yeah. And, it, and it's hard to understand logically why yeah. she's doing it yeah. unless she has a relationship with God. Yeah. Another very confronting aspect I found of this text is, is when I thought about She's giving into the worship at the temple, and then Jesus later on, I think, is coming up. He he rebukes the whole system. He's like turns the money tables over, and and that's a profound thought that Jesus is uh, saying the system here is wrong. The worship is now turned about money, and yet she, a worshiper at that temple, he's honoring her. He's like that's beautiful worship, mm-hmm. and yet, and then I just kind of was resting that as I applied across my own life. How do I respond? Is is it dependent on, in a sense, her picture of the te- the temple's wrong, or my neighbor doesn't deserve me to love them, or my worship to God is limited by what I think of those around me, and so the picture that she is honored and wor- able to worship even in the brokenness of the kind of you know that's been turned into a den of money launderers, <laughs> yet her worship is accepted and profound and beautiful. I find that challenging because I I always want an outcome. My worship must have a nice cherry outcome looking like you know to it. So 
I think that's another challenging aspect of this beautiful act of worship. It's one, it's her context and her heart, but two, even it's it's irrelevant. The situation is almost irrelevant. She's going, what she's doing is beautiful worship, and mm. how do I do that, um, regardless of my circumstance? Yeah. yeah, very good. Well, perhaps a great way to close then would be just reflecting on maybe a, a question or a couple of thoughts. Mm. Um, that this this passage brings up. So, what would be what would be like a, a question that we can apply mm. as we go about our week? Yeah, as we listen to this, maybe I just ask a question, quite open. But how does your relationship with God loosen your grasp on your life and all those things that are included in your life relationships, money, time, goals? How does your relationship with a living God loosen your grasp? on your life. Thanks for joining us today. To learn more, head over to perthchurch.com.au where you can find sermon resources that dive deeper into these conversations. If you found this conversation helpful, we would love you to leave a review and share it with your family and friends.